now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. It is Wednesday, February 8th, and this is People Every Day. Hey, you guys. Janine Rubenstein back with you again. We've got another jam-packed show for you today. We've got some royal family news. Actress Diamond White is stopping by to talk about her new Disney show. And we have to get into Madonna taking on her haters face first. Like I said, jam-packed show. So let's jump right in. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James is shot in history. That right there was the sound of LeBron James making history right here in L.A. Last night, the four-time NBA champion passed Lakers legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the all-time scoring list. Kareem tallied up 38,387 points in his career and held the record for most career points since he called it quits on the court 39 years ago. LeBron sank the record-breaking basket with a few seconds remaining in the third quarter, and the game came to a 10-minute halt to celebrate and acknowledge King James's conquest. James's mother, wife, and two sons watched from courtside seats. Celebrities like Jay-Z and Denzel Washington were in the house to witness the history-making night, and so was the man LeBron passed, number 33, Mr. Skyhook himself, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Before the game resumed, LeBron thanked his family and friends and paid homage to passing the NBA Hall of Famer, telling the crowd, quote, to be able to be in the presence of such a legend and great as Kareem, it's very humbling. Please give a standing ovation to the captain, please. It's been an up and down year for the Lakers with more downs than ups. Even with the high scoring effort on the part of LeBron and the Lakers, the night was soured as the Oklahoma City Thunder managed to pull out a 133 to 130 victory. Still, what an incredible feat. And now every basket LeBron makes from here on out will be history. And now it's time to turn our attention from one legend to another as Madonna is speaking out against those who criticized her appearance at the Grammys. Here's what I've learned after four decades in music. If they call you shocking, scandalous, problematic, provocative, or dangerous, you are definitely onto something. Those are the words of the iconic Madonna, heard at the Grammys on Sunday night, as she introduced a performance by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. Powerful as they were, they unfortunately were not the focus of the moment, and Madonna has even more to say about that. Here to join me to talk about all of this is People's Style and Beauty Director, Andrea Laventhal. Andrea, so fun to have you on, as always. Okay, well, I do want to talk about Madonna, but Janine, I really need to talk about another icon, diva, legend, if you will, who I spotted on the red carpet at the Grammys, (laughs) and I'm just going to need the exclusive on her look. Are you familiar with a Janine Rubenstein? You looked. So beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that shade of blue, the hair and makeup was on point. But let's talk about your diamonds because I'm at home in my sweatpants eating my <laughs> dinner out of a plastic container and I get a press release announcing <laughs> that Janine is wearing 
David Yorman diamonds to the Grammys. I don't think I've ever worn like actual diamonds on the red carpet. So it was a first for me, but it was so exciting. And that's why I chose the dress that I chose, just because I whatever I had on, I wanted it to highlight all of that bedazzlement, bejewelment, actual diamondment that was going on <laughs> on my neck. So it was exciting. You know, I can't help but play fashion couch critic. So I do have one note. It's tiny, but I want you to think about it for your next carpet. There was one accessory that I really wanted you to have. Okay. Me. I just felt like, where was I? Why was I not standing next to you? Okay. Moving on to Madonna. Moving on to Madonna. Well, you've covered all the looks for the Grammys. Uh, Can you first walk us through Madonna's look and any inspiration behind it or insight you may have into it? Like, describe it for everyone if they forgot. Well, I mean, I thought that it was very on brand for Madonna, right? At first glance, you might be like, well, she's very covered up and she looks kind of school marmish. No, 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 no. She had a lot of like very scandalous little details in her look that you had to see. But for starters, she had like a phallic shaped diamond brooch. So there was that. And then she had these incredible black platform heels. And then she had a close-up shot of a, a handbag that we didn't see on stage. And it was embroidered with the word fudge, but not in black sparkles. And then she had a bunch of other really like Madonna-esque things, including a riding crop and lace gloves and pigtails. And, and her eyebrows were blonde. So a very random description, if you will. But all of those things felt very Madonna to me. Well. I will say that people picked up on not just what she was wearing, but how she looked. And that's and that's what she is weighing in on. So the universe that is social media has since been taking their shots at Madonna and her face. It is clear to me that there has been some work done, but she should be able to do whatever she wants to to her body, right? The focus on what she looks like physically took over the moment. She was trying to present and the fuss that was made over her face did not sit well with her, right? It's incredible that you can be wearing a phallic-shaped diamond brooch and people are talking about your face. But yes, we in our society have a very narrow view of what aging should look like. And it's interesting. If someone ages naturally, we gasp and like clutch our pearls that they're going gray and have wrinkles, especially in Hollywood. Like, how dare they look old? But if they choose to do whatever to their appearance to look the way they want to look at their age, we also are outraged. You know, there really is no option for a female in Hollywood to get older other than to put like a mask over her face and a hat on. Otherwise, we're like, we can't handle it. I think when anyone alters their appearance dramatically and we haven't seen it, it's there's always going to be a reaction. But I don't think it's really like anyone's call of how she should choose to age. I think it's just like an easy target, right? Well, she said in her statement, I had wanted to give the last award, which was album of the year, but I thought it was more important that I present the first trans woman performing at the Grammys, a history-making moment. And on top of that, she won a Grammy. Instead of focusing on what I said in my speech, which was about giving thanks for the fearlessness of artists like Sam and Kim, 
many people chose to only talk about close-up photos of me taken with a long-lens camera by a press photographer that would distort anyone's face. Once again, I am caught in the glare of ageism and misogyny that permeates the world we live in, a world that refuses to celebrate women past the age of 45. In the words of Beyonce, she ended this with, you won't break my soul. Well, there you have it. I mean, I wish I could do like a stands and clap moment from a movie because that's a powerful statement. She's basically like, can we please focus on what's important? It goes back to what I tell my children. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. It makes me petrified to get older because I plan to enjoy the talents of a plastic surgeon in my future. And I really don't want to hear it from anyone, you know? I love that. Well, this summer, she is on the road with her celebration tour that is going to span four decades of music. And Madonna is known for stage and performance looks that are iconic. Do you think this conversation will push her style and fashion on this tour even further? So it's interesting. I don't think she wants people talking about her face and plastic surgery, but she does like people to talk. She, This is what she does. You said she pushes the boundaries. So yes, I think we can expect some really shocking moments from her. I mean, for her age alone, people are going to be like very scandalized if she shows something more than a wrist or, (laughs) you know, and I count on her to do that. Make those people up in arms. Madonna, wear a leotard, show a butt cheek. I'm here for it. Yeah. Well, Andrea, Thank you so much for being here. It is always so fun to spend time with you. And remember, guys, you can read more about this story on people.com. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. Coming up, we're sitting down with one of the best up-and-coming talents in Hollywood right now, Miss Diamond White. She stops by to talk about what it's like being a Marvel superhero and lending her voice to the animated series Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. But first, with just three months until the coronation of King Charles, the royal family is still grappling with the fallout from Prince Harry's tell-all memoir, Spare. Join us on the other side of the break, where our royals expert, Aaron Hill, will take us into the drama bubbling up behind the palace walls. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We are back, and it's time to talk about People's latest cover story. As you know, a little book called Spare came out a month ago, and it's been causing all sorts of buzz. But what people really want to know is, how is the royal family reacting to Prince Harry's bombshell memoir? With King Charles's coronation three months away only, how does this affect things? I mean, let's get into all of that and more. Joining me now to dive deep into this is People's senior editor, Aaron Hill. Hey, Aaron, welcome back to the show. 
Hey, well, as you know, Spare had some pretty jaw-dropping allegations. Prince Harry said that Prince William physically attacked him when they were fighting about Meghan Markle. He accused his stepmother, Queen Camilla, of throwing him and his brother under the bus to get good press. Uh, the family motto is, quote, never complain, never explain, at least to the public. But what's really going on behind the scenes? How are they feeling about all of this? Yeah, exactly. You know, that the decision to remain silent in public is really just so they don't want to fan the flames of the rift and the dispute. We spoke to a royal correspondent who said that they know that anything they say is just going to prolong everything and they want it to calm down as soon as possible. And the longer this goes on, the less hope there is for reconciliation. But behind the scenes, we are hearing that William is the one who is most upset and needs time to calm down. Well, so despite all this family drama, we're hearing that discussions are actually taking place about a reconciliation between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and Prince William and Kate Middleton. So tell us more about this. Yeah, we are hearing that absolutely behind the scenes they're trying to work out how best to go about this, how to have some conversations to happen before the coronation. But a, a source close to the Sussexes say that there has been no movement yet towards reconciliation, but also that Harry's position on the matter hasn't changed. He had said during when he was doing press for, for Spare that the ball is in his family's court and he's open, but he wants to have those discussions. And we know that Charles would love nothing more than to have his son be there. He would like to have Harry back in the family, according to his source. And he doesn't want this to be part of his reign, how he's left his family disjointed. I think in some circles, the very best they can hope for is a truce. You know, it isn't as simple as just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's just been more, way more serious things going on between these family members. And it's not as simple as one conversation is going to solve it. It may be that the best they can hope for is just a truce before the coronation for them to come, put everything aside and just celebrate the monarchy. Well, guys, you can read more about the royals on people.com and pick up a copy of the latest issue on newsstands everywhere on Friday. Aaron, it's always so great to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. If animated stories are your sweet spot, then you are in for a real treat. I am the smartest 13-year-old. And now I have a dinosaur. My brain, your brawn. We can be superheroes. That was the voice of my next guest who has over a dozen animated roles under her belt. And in February, you can catch the multi-talented Diamond White in Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur with guest voice appearances by the incomparable Alfie Woodard and comedian Sashir Zameda. I-, I saw the trailer and it's a fun, energetic ride for the entire family. And well, I am excited because Diamond White is here with me now to discuss what it was like to fulfill many of our childhood dreams of playing a superhero. Hey, Diamond. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So in the show, you play 13-year-old Lunella Lafayette, aka Moon Girl, and she's on a mission to save the world. So what does it feel like to be fully in the Marvel family now? It's honestly incredible. I was having a conversation with my brother the other day and he was like, Diamond, you know, this is like really big. And I was like, I don't know, like I'm scared. And uh, but I'm just excited to finally see a superhero that has my skin tone and looks like me. I love that. And you're making history with this. You are Marvel's first ever black teen animated superhero, right? 
Yeah, Teenage Girl Superhero, the first, which is insane. I love it. So what were some of the personal traits that you pulled upon to channel into Moon Girl? I was homeschooled my whole life, so I felt very connected to her in the sense that she's awkward around other people. That's something that I experienced. With adults, I'm cool to like be myself, but with people my age, I'm like... I don't necessarily want to sleep over at your house because I'm scared and I don't know what to say. There's actually an episode about that. So I connected to her on all of her like insecurities about like growing up and stuff. I love it. <laughs> well, you're an actress who's been in movies, soap operas, of course, animated projects, and even video games. So, so do you prefer to be in like a recording studio, just like letting your voice do the work or on set with the lights and cameras and all of that? If I had to pick one, I would definitely pick the animated side of things. I can go in in my pajamas. I don't have to have makeup. I can just be a 13-year-old kid screaming and running around. And I honestly prefer that rather than having to spend like two to three hours in hair and makeup every day. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Well, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is also produced by the legendary actor Lawrence Fishburne, who plays the Beyonder in the series. So did you get a chance to meet and work with him? I mean, he's an icon in Hollywood. We actually did D23 together, and I was scared to meet Lawrence because I know how big of a star he is, and I was a little bit nervous. But he's so goofy and so fun, and like we had the best times together. Nice. What is like a just a scene, maybe like a, a through line that you want people to be watching for with Moon Girl? What is her big hope? Her big hope is to protect the LES. She will do anything against these villains that are trying to mess with the LES. The show is really based on community and family. She runs the roller rink with her family. So You know, she wants to keep the roller rink alive and make sure the LES is safe. So that's like one of her main big points. I love the LES. For those that don't know, the Lower East Side of New York City. My mother-in-law is from the LES or the LOA, as she calls it. (laughs) So that's so great. And then music as well is a big part of this show. So you're a musician as well. How much does music play into it? Were you able to contribute in any way? Oh, yeah. I sing sing the theme song. And there's a bunch of other songs in the show that we sing. It's a very musical show. Well, before I lose you, as we make our way through 2020 Me, as people are calling it, what are you looking forward to in this year? Well, I'm looking forward to February 10th because that's when Moon Girl comes out. But I'm also looking forward to getting myself to be able to do squats because that's something that I have not been able to get myself to do. And also this year, simply because of Moon Girl, I want to learn how to roller skate. I can't play a character like this and not learn how to roller skate. I love it. Well, Diamond, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys, uh, don't forget Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur premieres February 10th on Disney Channel. And you can stream the first six episodes February 15th on Disney+. Plus. Thanks so much, Diamond. Thank you. (laughs) 
Well, the last story I want to leave you with is one that has two happy endings. Diana Gordon has been without a car for nearly a year since hers broke down last February. This left the Michigan resident with no choice but to walk nearly three miles to and from work five days a week. As Gordon was trekking home just a few weeks ago on January 21st, she spotted something peculiar on her route. She'd stopped at a gas station for a snack and spotted a plastic bag on the ground filled with what she described as a large sum of money. She wasn't kidding. The grandmother of two found nearly $15,000 in cash and didn't hesitate on what to do next and remembered thinking, this doesn't belong to me. I need to call a police officer. When officers arrived, it didn't take too much detective work to track down the owners. The officers found cards addressed to a couple whose wedding ceremony had occurred earlier that day. White Lake Township Police Chief Dan Keller told the Washington Post that the police department was able to track down the couple and get the money back to them. I mean, here's this grandmother walking six miles round trip to work every day in the Midwest cold, who clearly could have used the cash calling the authorities and doing the right thing. Just wow. But as she told the Post, all I did was return something that didn't belong to me. I can only imagine how relieved the newlyweds must have been. And like I mentioned earlier, this story has two happy endings. Stacy Connell, whose husband was one of the responding police officers, set up a GoFundMe to raise money for Gordon to hopefully buy her a new car. As of yesterday afternoon, the fundraiser has reached $66,000. And last week, Diana Gordon received a brand new set of wheels, a Jeep Compass from a local car dealership. She told a local ABC affiliate, I am just floored, and added, I am having a hard time keeping it in. I am just so excited. Gordon also said that she plans to pay it forward and offer rides to her co-workers who may need them. I mean, if a grandma with a heart of gold being rewarded for a good deed isn't something to make you smile on a Wednesday, then I, I don't know what will. And that is our show for today. Thank you all for letting me be a part of your day. I will talk to you again tomorrow, right here on People Every Day. <laughs> 